and we are back. Welcome back, everyone, to Season 2 of the Beginning Teacher Wednesdays podcast. I'm your host, Jen Hawkins, and boy, do we have a season in store for you guys. I am so grateful and thankful that you are continuing to stick with this podcast and the journey that we started a year ago. It's crazy to think that in just a short amount of time, we've made so much growth and reached so many educators from across the world. It's truly exciting. This season, we got a lot in store for you guys. We've got a new website. We've got a new logo. We've got new merch up, ready to go if you want to support your favorite show. We have new guests. The guests that are about to come are just phenomenal. I cannot wait for you guys to hear and meet everybody. Um, And we're taking some risks. We're doing some different types of shows, Um, getting some groups on here, some beginning teacher groups, and just really excited to keep introducing you to all these amazing people that I've been fortunate to link up with. This week is a really important and necessary topic. I sit down with Jessica Holloway uh, and she's done a lot of conversations and talks and coaching around this idea that Uh, beginning teachers and really all educators for that matter wear masks when we don't want to necessarily address the elephant in the room or talk about something and so she talks about different ways in which we can tell if others or ourselves are trying to put on one of these masks and different ways that we can work through the struggles that each of those bring If you don't listen to anything, you've got to listen to the last 15 minutes. The last question is definitely one of my favorites, but all of this is just golden. I told Jessica she's got to take this show on the road. So without further ado, for the first time in season two, find somewhere comfortable to sit, grab a notebook because you're going to want to take notes, and get your beverage of choice as I sit down for the next 45 minutes with Jessica Holloway. Not only do we have our amazing guests and so many things to look forward to in season two, but we are excited to announce that we are partnering again with Papa Murphy's of Raleigh as our sponsor for this podcast. Papa Murphy's is a really easy way to just order ahead, get your take and bake pizza, have it waiting for you on the drive home from work, and just pop it right in the oven. Uh, It makes life real easy, especially when things get crazy at school. From August 18th to August 23rd, Papa Murphy's is running a 40% off large or family size pizza discount. Uh, You just have to go to papamurphys.com and use the code AUGUST40. That's A-U-G-U-S-T-4-0. Hey, Jessica, how are you? I am making it today. (laughs) Making it. So let's kind of just start off. Tell us what you currently do in education, and then we'll go backwards from there and kind of figure out how you got there. So what are you currently doing? What do you work on? So I am an innovation coach for my district. And with that, um, it's not a clearly, I don't do one thing. I do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And so some big bucket projects that we work on. One is digital fabrication. And we have a whole ecosystem of those in our district. Another one is project and problem-based learning, ed ed tech and getting that going and supporting teachers there. Um, Digital equity and making sure that all students have um, internet access and devices to use. Um, So those are kind of our big bucket items, um, but I really focus in on being an innovation coach on supporting innovative approaches in teaching and learning. Awesome. 
So tell us then, how did you get there? So what was your journey kind of into education? Um, and what were those first couple of years like for you? So um, originally, I'll tell you, I didn't go into college knowing I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> I started out in a different career path. And this is probably like a, a repeated idea that you hear a lot of times that um, you didn't know that was where you're going to end up. Uh, but after my first year in college, I realized the path I was going down, I did not have any passion for. And so I had um, my, my mom owned a gym where she um, had power tumbling and cheerleading there. And I coached that for years. And I was like, yeah, my mom was like, yeah, you're pretty good at coaching, you know? And I was yeah. like, yeah, okay. That's kind of like teaching <laughs> when you think, think it all the way through. And I was like, yeah, I could probably, I could probably teach if I can coach here, I could transfer that to teaching. And so after my second year, in uh, my second year, I changed to education and never looked back. And I was, that's where my passion was. And I just continued down that lane. And so I started out as a language arts teacher and loving the land of literacy gave me a great reason to read books and write with kids. And I enjoyed every minute of it. I went outside my comfort zone. There was an opportunity for a program called STEM Fellows in uh, my community and it was run by our local public education foundation. I just remember this feeling of asking everyone else in my building if they were gonna apply for it because I didn't think I belonged in a STEM fellow because I wasn't one of the letters. Yeah. And nobody else was gonna apply. So I was like, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Let's see if they take a language arts teacher. And I got in and I had an eye-opening experience that uh, like, STEM is more than just the letters. It's a mindset, it's approach to teaching and learning. And I think that experience changed the whole trajectory of my career. And from that, I kind of took my STEMtastic energy and <laughs> spread it out amongst my school. I moved in from a uh, being a teacher to a school-based instructional coach at, my, at that same school. And um, we started, you know, dabbling in different pieces of STEM. And at one point, my principal and I, we were in another fellowship in Innovative Leaders Institute. And she just looked at me and she's like, why are we not applying for STEM designation? Like we have the pieces, let's right. make it happen. So we brought the school through a transformation process. Last At the end of last year, we were awarded STEM designation by the state. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. And um <clears throat> Shortly over the summer, there was an opportunity that came open for an innovation coach with the district. And I thought that sounds exactly what I want to do. I love yeah. coaching and being alongside teachers and being close to where the learning is. And so I applied and, you know, I was very grateful and excited to get the opportunity. Um, and I started in August and I'll say, you know, it's not been a traditional year to start a new role, but Absolutely. I have enjoyed every moment of it and can't wait to see what next year brings too. That's great. So um, thinking about those first couple of years, where, what grade levels were you teaching language arts? So I was a middle school language arts teacher. There's something and, really special about the crazy people that are willing to teach middle school. I'll just... Yeah. I have, I've had my experience with eighth graders, seventh graders, and sixth graders. And I will say each level has their own personality and flair. It's great. I, I, 
I taught sixth grade and I would never, I mean, if I went back and was teaching again, I'd go straight back to middle school. It was absolutely just a blast. I couldn't imagine teaching any other grade level. I love middle school. And I really had a unique experience, I'll say, in my years two, three, and four in teaching. Um, it happened to be time my husband was in the army and he was stationed at um, Fort Campbell and then he was deployed. And the school that I was teaching at had a high uh, population of students who had service member, uh, family service members. And it was a hard emotional time mm. uh, to have my spouse deployed for 12 months. Yeah. A lot of the students that I was teaching, they had family members that were deployed for a variety, you know, various time frames. And there were times where there was just crying. Like mm-hmm. it was just like, we're going to sit and just talk about we're okay. Yep. And, um, I learned to be really flexible mm-hmm. out of those, those three years. Cause like I was like, I have a plan. We're going to stick to it. <laughs> I have my roster. We tell you that roster changed, um, because, mm-hmm. you know, they get reassigned at different posts and, that roster changed probably 14 times before the second month of school. And I I really learned how to be flexible, but then I learned about compassion um, and not making assumptions uh, about things. Um, It it was, it was definitely an eye opening experience, but it was a very powerful one because, you know, it was a mutual understanding a lot of times with the, the families and the students and me that we were just, you know, it was, the, it was active board time. So there was a lot going on beyond just the traditional academics of the, at the school. So it definitely had a profound effect on how I viewed being an educator as I move forward. Yeah. I think, uh, that's such a unique experience. And one of the things that my eyes have really been open to doing this podcast is how, um, you know, we, we say schools are different and unique, but then hearing all the really different stories and the different environments, I think you're the first one that's kind of brought up um, having a lot of students who are military you know, related to military and, and the impact that that has on a school setting. Um, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me, not only how resilient our kids are, but how even with such uh, drastic differences, there are still a lot of unique similarities. And no matter what, our teachers still find a way to meet the needs of kids in all of those environments. So we're going to kind of jump in. You are exploring this idea of the masks that we wear. So can you kind of just give us like a base introduction of what this concept is? um, And then we'll kind of do a deep dive on it. All right. So circling back to the literacy person that I am, when I had free moments, which weren't many, (laughs) as a coach, I would like to just go stand in classrooms and like just be around learning. And so one day I went into a a language arts classroom, eighth grade language arts classroom, and she was teaching um, the poem, the Paul Lawrence Dunbar poem, We Wear the Mask. And listening to the discussion, all that, it was just like simmering in my brain. And it was the same day at the end of the day, we had a new teacher academy session for the new teachers at our school. Mm. And after the session was over, I had this just 
connection or light bulb epiphany moment of just, it's so true that we wear these masks, but there's also like masks that new teachers are wearing. Mm -hmm. And the more I thought about the interactions I saw and that I'd seen over years as a school-based coach, I was like, you know, those beginning teachers wear a lot of masks and what is it that they're trying to hide behind that mask Mm. and how can I get them to to feel comfortable enough to remove the mask so we can really get into the good conversations the hard conversations and and get in not superficial you know superficial sayings but get into the substantial work of growth yeah I'm so excited to dig into this because before we started, I was reading through your notes and I was sitting reading them and I was like, oh my gosh, this applies like perfectly to beginning teachers. But then I was like, these are masks I've seen administrators wear. I've seen coaches wear. I've seen students wear. I've seen families wear. And it's like, Honestly, you should take this show on the road. I don't know what we got to do to make it happen. I'm 100% behind you. I'll be your MC and your hype woman, but we'll we'll go ahead and make sure that you can take this on the road because it is brilliant. So masks we wear, are, are they phrases? Are they kind of just, sometimes I think the masks that we wear are like almost an aura around us. So what, what does it look like for someone to be wearing a mask? How can we kind of identify when someone else or when we are wearing that mask? So I've come up with a few phrases that tend to go with it, but there's Mm. a lot of nonverbal cues that you can pick up on that go along with a lot of those phrases. So I'll dive into the first one. Go for it. So the first one uh, that is the classic, I'm okay. (laughs) And, And it's, I've literally seen it with hands up, almost like invisibly pushing me back you know, like Mm. I'm okay, like distance. And uh, I really got to thinking of why is that there? Why is there like a, I need space from you. And then I thought, well, I'm asking the wrong question Mm. because if I'm asking if they're okay, I'm also uh, conveying this expectation that you're supposed to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not really inviting a conversation because I want a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you're okay. No, you're not okay. So I started just like trying out a different way. So instead of asking, are you okay? I started, I started stopping and saying, Hey, can you tell me about your day? Mm. Yeah. And as they start talking, it gave doors would start opening mm-hmm. for me to realize they were or we're not okay. Yeah. Asking like, are you okay? Are you good? It's almost sounds like checking off the box of like, well, well, I checked in on that person and they gave me yes. And they gave me no. And I did what I needed to do. Um, I've been playing around with the new phrase I've been trying when I see people is like in my building, Hey, how's your morning going? How's your afternoon going? What can I do to support you today? And I think that that has given me so many better answers of like, when people are like, nothing, honestly, it's going great. You're like, okay, well, genuinely, I think your day is going okay. 
But when there that look of like, please help me panic comes in, when they start thinking of all the things they would like from you in that moment, I, I think it tells a much uh, broader, full story of what that person's going through. Absolutely. Okay, so mask one, I'm okay. Mask two, I'm good. <laughs> and it also can have the like invisible push of space. Mm. But in this one, it's more of a shield of saying I don't want you to know that I'm struggling or that I need help because all of us want to feel confident and competent in what we do mm-hmm. and when we don't feel that it's not a great feeling and to ask for help means to be vulnerable and if you're not in a place where you feel like you can do that then you're gonna shield and so my question or what I'm trying to work through is how can we convey to beginning teachers that you're not supposed to have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to have all the answers. You're supposed to make mistakes. Just like you tell your students, like you're supposed to be learning. That's why, uh, like as a coach, that's why I'm here. I'm supposed to coach you Um, in, in growth. And just for the students, you want them to fail fast and fail forward and have support. It's, it's, okay not to know but it's not okay to just continue not knowing and or just saying like I'm 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 good um I don't need help and you know it's hard to admit that you that you need help and I I don't think that's unique to new teachers I think that's Mm -hmm. just hard and it's hard for me and personality wise sometimes to say like I need help like I, I just can't understand this or I just don't have it figured out but you know it, it, it digs in at our confidence level if we don't know something. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I say when I work with kids is uh, it's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay that way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, kind of pushing this idea of in order to feel better, in order to um, feel more, whether that's, you know, being more successful at something or whether it's just our emotions in general, the first step is admitting that, I don't know it, or I'm not feeling good. Or, you know, if, if those things aren't acknowledged, we don't move forward at all. We have to acknowledge our starting point. And I think that's so important. But I really want to get teachers, like, instead of feeling like this, when help is available, instead of like the pushback, the invisible pushback, like, how do I get them from guarded arms to open, open arms and hugging and bringing that in? Because, you know, you can have all of the systems in place and supports in place, but if, if they're not feeling comfortable enough to open their arms and welcome it in, it's only going to go so far. It's only going to be so effective. But if they feel that there's value there, that support and mentoring is a process that is valuable to beginning teachers, any teachers that want it then it, it's just this whole normalizing of like, yeah, we ask questions when we don't know. Mm-hmm. Hey, we seek out help when we don't understand something. I go watch somebody who has it figured out and I bring it back to my classroom. And so it's okay to say like, I need help and yeah. I'm gonna go find it. I think that's perfect because the thing I see the most in beginning teachers, um, and I know as a beginning teacher, I did it right. A lot of times when that phrase I'm good is used, 
it means that we're trying to, we're trying to build a foundation to at least come ask you the question, right? It, it's, uh, you know, a lot of beginning teachers feel like they can't go to support without having some baseline knowledge of what's going on. And guys, there are things in those beginning years you just don't have any baseline on. And, and it's hard to admit that. We don't like to necessarily admit that as a career field either. Um, but there are just things that are not talked about in the slightest. And it's okay to approach someone with like zero knowledge and say, I am trying to figure this out, um, but I don't even know where to start looking. And I, I do think that keeps a lot of beginning teachers away from asking for the support they need uh, because they just don't, they feel embarrassed to come with no baseline. Which leads directly into mask three. Yes. Which which is, I know, (laughs) I know. (laughs) And this is the nonverbal of like nodding in agreement and not really, it's the deflection of admitting you don't know something. And Going back to what I said just a minute ago, you're not expected to know every single thing your first year. So like, I ask all the time, ask me questions, ask clarifying questions. Um, just don't be afraid. And if you don't know the right question to ask someone, I'll help you figure out how to script and draft questions. So it really gets at what you need to know um, in, in getting into Sometimes, like you said, they may not know what it is they don't know. Mm-hmm. And so going through, I think there's the, the five why process. I think that was the Toyota production company developed it. But just asking why five times can get you into the root of the problem and not just the symptom that you see. Like the symptoms, what you see, but it's actually something much deeper that you need to get to. Um, but just this mask of, I know, and there's nothing else for me to uh, learn or uncover or ask. Um, and then you turn around and then you aren't successful because you really didn't know. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that is making me kind of chuckle over here too. And so as we continue digging into these, I want to bring this up. As you guys are listening to these, um, know that they're kind of umbrellas, right? But that we all, as a survival and coping mechanism, um, have found a ways around it, some of these, and use different things. So like, for example, one of my good friends and I, we've eliminated I am good from our conversations we're not allowed to say it anymore guys you would not imagine the synonyms i have found for i am good to get around that phrase um you know i've worked with people before who instead of i know it's got it like i got it got it and but the same things you're talking about like not having a baseline not having a full understanding that was their code for i know um or like i i Okay, well, I you I I don't doesn't know what's going on. So please ask for for baseline, ask for help instead of just saying like it's it's that quick check of the box. Like please don't ask me what I'm about to do. It it's almost saying like handled. I've handled it. Don't don't ask me because if you ask me, I am going to have no 
uh, legs to stand on in this answer. So like, please leave me alone. Pretend I know what's going on so I can run to my computer and do some deep Googling and try to figure it out before you come back to me a second time. I have to imagine, especially that I know, there's also like a lot of body language, like the head nodding or thumbs up. (laughs) Like, I think some of these masks could even be coded into probably emojis that are used quite frequently in text groups. I I agree. (laughs) And with with all of these, there are a wide variety of of physical cueing and and body language that go into it as, as well. Absolutely. And uh, as a coach, I got, I, I was an instructional coach for eight years. So I've had a lot of practice reading <laughs> body language and going in with meetings with teachers. And you, you can, you can definitely tell the language and the, and what they're saying. And then their body language, it's, it's, there's space. It's mm-hmm. like, I need space from this. Yeah. Um, All right. So mask four is going to be the, I can. Yeah. So what oh. is it? <laughs> it seems like this is your favorite. This is the uh, guiltiest charge oh. on this one. Oh, you're the guilty party here. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> so um, this is one where you're asked if you can do something and you're like, sure, I can. Yes, I can do that. And before you know it, you really don't have the capacity, like, mm. well, I shouldn't say capacity. Maybe you don't really have the bandwidth in your schedule to do it. Maybe yep. you have the capacity to do it, but really looking at your schedule, it's not a good balance for you, mm-hmm. but you feel this innate desire to mm-hmm. be part of the team, to contribute, to feel valuable. So you might say, yes, I can to a lot of things that, um, you should not over overwork yourself or overextend yourself, especially in those first few years, because you're still working out all of your, you know, teaching and learning kinks and to add, you know, there's nothing wrong with saying yes, as long as it doesn't take you too far. So there's that healthy boundary. And so just because you can say yes, doesn't mean you should. And that is the hard one. And it's probably the one that I, I struggle with continuously throughout um, my journey as an educator, but it, an invitation does not mean there's an expectation of a yes. Mm. And I that, get that is tattooed to, somewhere. That has been the <laughs> hardest thing. You see, I'm so serious about it because I've had to tell myself yeah. this. <laughs> you've, times. you've had this conversation in the mirror, haven't you? <laughs> I have. Yeah. So invitation does not equal expectation and nobody is going to dislike you or be disappointed or never invite you to the team again, just because you say now is not the right time for me. Mm. Actually, I respect people more if you say, I'm not going to bring my best self at this time. Talk to me next year. I might be in a better place. Uh, that is yeah. a great answer. And I would always say too, when you give that answer, in my experience, give that, like you said, that time. Like I can't bring my whole self right now. Next time you have a project or by the spring, if you have another project, or if you're looking for more voices next fall, right? Give, 
give that clear of like, hey, I can see the end of my tunnel. Here's when, <laughs> here's when there'll be light again. Um, and, and, you know, I just had a conversation with Dr. Sam Fesich and she said something that has just been echoing in the back of my head all week. But for everything you say yes to, that means you're saying no to something else. And we don't always realize that because I think we, in that moment, we say yes out loud, but we don't have to say no out loud. And so maybe I've lost my mind because at this point, I probably have with all of everything that's going on, but I have been, uh, now I'll admit this in, on the internet, but I've been talking to myself, like when I take, <laughs> when I say yes to something, I verbally out loud say, I am saying no to dinner tonight with my husband. I am saying no to a workout. I am saying no to bed early. And there are times, right? That that's okay. And I want to do it. This is a prime example, right? You emailed me. I was like, I got to talk to Jessica. This is going to give me life. I might miss dinner with my husband. We'll make up for it on the back end. But there are other things that people come to me and it's like right now, I can't say no to these things as a trade-off. Absolutely. And it's, it, and it's not only just personal life, no, but you also have to realize that if you say yes to something that you've committed to, and some of those things are a commitment over time. So you're saying no to other mm -hmm. options that may come up as well. And, um, so you need to make sure whatever it is that you're saying yes to aligns with your beliefs and your goals. Otherwise you're going to have, you know, fires remorse of saying yes to something that really wasn't going to fuel your passion and, you know, move you forward in, in your career. So it's a, really a select, you need to be selective with your, with your yes. And um, veteran teachers are lying to you if they don't admit the following. We have all signed up for a commitment at some point in our ed educational career that we weren't a hundred percent sure of. And we got to that, whatever it was, and about tore our eyeballs out for X amount of hours. And we're like, why am I sitting in the room when I could be doing X, Y, and Z? And normally your X, I'm going to be honest here, is why am I sitting in this room when I could be spending this time with my kids, getting them ready, helping them, supporting them, loving them. I'm now in this room <laughs> that is doing nothing for me. And it's, it's this awful thought. I've had it. I've signed up for things before. I'm like, why am I sitting here? This is not doing anything for me, or I already know this, I, or I did this as a favor for someone, you've got to make sure that what you are committing to is aligned with your why, because those things will exponentially pay themselves back to you um, in the future. But the things that don't will deplete you quicker than you could ever imagine. Yep. And you don't want to burn out. Saying mm -hmm. yes to too many things is the quickest way to, to just burn out and there were times where I definitely felt the burn mm. and I was like I have to step back and reevaluate what I'm saying yes to because it is not I am not feeling the joy and the passion that I want to feel and so something's out of alignment here and let me just refocus and see what I'm saying yes to just because you can 
doesn't mean you should. And so <laughs> think through that. I can mask. Okay. Final mask, mask number five. What are we working with? And have I said it before? Probably yes. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> oh yeah. That I say all the time. <laughs> the mask of, I don't care. And that uh, it's like a shoulder. You can see them physically shoulder shrug or swatted away or lean back. It's all about that distance between mm-hmm. things or they'll lean back in the seat and it's really just protecting themselves because most of the time that's protecting their feelings. So it's hard to admit when our feelings get hurt, when we don't feel valued, when something that we've done isn't acknowledged and it's easier to just shut, you know, shrug our shoulders, brush it off. I don't care than to say, you know, it really bothered me that I wasn't acknowledged for organizing this whole event and nobody noticed or um, they changed our entire schedule and never mentioned anything. I don't care, but you do care. And so being able to just name how you're feeling in a productive way, but then also communicate like not just the emotion, but what elicited that emotion. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because the schedule changed. It was because it was not communicated with you. It was also is communicated in a way that didn't allow you adequate time to address whatever came up with it. Yeah. Um, as what I will say, the resident expert in this mask, um, I would also like to translate some other possible terms that one, maybe including myself, might use when trying to use this mask. Um, we have no biggie, um, NBD, whatevs. It's not really that big of a deal. I'm tough enough. What do you think? I can't handle this. All of those in in any variety just roll right into that mask. And I think I probably use at least two a day. So (laughs) somewhere in here, I'm a very soft, squishy person. I just don't want the world to know it yet. (laughs) But it's, um, I think this one's a hard one to take off because it deals so tightly with our emotional response to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're humans. We have emotions and things are going to cause us to react with those emotions, whether it's frustration or fear or sadness or you know discontent, whatever it is. But I think the more that we can get past the take the mask off and address how we're really feeling and what it is that's making us feel this way. And then what can be done so that feeling doesn't continue or we don't encounter that same situation with the same outcome. Um, Because sometimes if you don't express it and no one knows that they were, you know, discontent and and, um, there was an emotional response and frustration on your side, they, the other person who may have caused it doesn't know that there needs to be a change. Yeah, for sure. So this is a tough question, but let's see if maybe together we can tag team and tackle this. One of the things that I think um, happens a lot of times to beginning teachers is that the schools are very established environments. Unless you are going into a brand new school that's opening that year, 
you're walking into uh, previous relationships established that you don't know. You're you're walking into procedures that have been established that you don't know, right? There's a lot going on that you're walking into. Those traditions, like you don't realize that run a school and like, and sometimes the unspoken, who sits where, who parks where that comes into play as well oh yes definitely as a beginning teacher accidentally took that teacher's parking spot and that went over real well you know with this in mind right we we wear masks to keep ourselves safe um a lot of times that's the the purpose of them how how do we know when it's safe to take them off (laughs) how Like, how do we know we're with people that it becomes safe, right? Because I think that's something, I know I struggled with it. And a few times I got caught as a beginning teacher uh, thinking I was in a safe place with, you know, my mentor and saying things like, you know, I I don't have a good relationship with this teacher. Something's going on. I don't know how to fix it. Can you help me? Um, and that got back to that teacher quicker than I even had a chance to turn the lights off in my classroom. Right. And so how, and in that situation, then I put that mask back on and it didn't come off for four more years. Right. It, it was like, it glued on my face. I took gorilla glue and put that right on my head. So how, like, how do we know when we're in an environment where it's okay to start taking some of these masks off? So I think trust and confidentiality are crucial. And without those two pieces, it, you don't really feel safe and trust takes time and you have to, there has to be that understanding of confidentiality. Unfortunately, you know, mentor programs may say it, but maybe not emphasize how important that is. And there are times where, as a coach, things were shared with me in a circle of trust Mm -hmm. that did not go beyond that room, and it didn't get shared with my administrators or any other colleagues. It was a safe conversation between the two of us. So I think you have to find your safe spot in the person that you can trust but I think it's important for schools to have that in their building. They need to have places and people that invite and protect and keep things confidential. And I, I mean, I had, um, I have a battle buddy and um, we didn't start out as friends and um, we ended up in a, canceled coaches meeting we ended up job shadowing each other and through that process we enjoyed working with each other but then like we started to build trust to tell each other things and um talk through hard things that were happening and eventually she became my educator battle buddy and so I can tell her anything I know she's not going to share what I say She'll let me vent and she'll tell me when I'm going too far or if I'm right on target. So sometimes it, you know, sometimes it's finding another educator that's maybe in the same situation that you're in and that you can talk things out. But you also have to have that balance of 
get it out, but then let's be productive with it. Like, like, how can we resolve what's under there when we remove the mask? So it's not enough just to take the mask off and just let it be. But how do we deal with how do we deal with what's behind the mask? Because um, otherwise, you're just going to put the mask right back on and you're just going to keep carrying it forward. Yeah, I worked with an eighth grade language arts teacher that was like, if you just drop something and walk away, that's a fart. That's not anything. You have to address what's going on. If you just throw emotions out there and walk away, that's a fart. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know what? Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and anyone who works with eighth graders understands exactly what he was probably alluding to of like, when you just throw all your emotions at me and walk away, you farted. <laughs> yeah. It's so powerful. And I love how you have taken this idea of masks and kind of labeled them and, and explained what they look like. Um, because I think we all, you know, there's varieties of them, but we all use them and the purpose is to protect ourselves. But I think, you know, we know as, as veteran educators, you only get through this when you find people that you uh, can trust and take those masks off for. You're not gonna, you're not gonna get through this if you keep those on glued to your head all the time. All right. So we like to end with five rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Sure. Do you know them all? Should I change them just for you? (laughs) Whatever you think. All right. So tell, hit me with your, uh, what's your before school routine? All right. Before school, it is oatmeal, coffee, and hugs. I have, I have three kids and a husband. So it's like, I get lots of hugs on the way out. Just line them all up. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Um, what is your favorite school supply? Oh, without a doubt, flare pins and Tini <laughs> McGregor. I'm going to call you out. You started this whole flare pin addiction. So thank you. It continues. What is the one word students you work with would use to describe you? Dedicated. Hmm. Your favorite mantra or saying when things get tough? This one I pondered on. Um, it comes from the uh, oh so famous uh, A League of Their Own. It's supposed to be hard. If it were easy, everyone would do it. The hard is what makes it great. Yeah, that's a classic one for, for sure. And what is one thing you wish someone told you as a beginning teacher? Find other people like you mm. that are going to not only be a source of like comfort but also will push you to kind of grow beyond where you are. So just finding, finding your people that are going to inspire you and support you and help you move along your journey. And I think I move further faster once I found that. Yes, absolutely. Jessica, what are you working on? How can people get in touch with you? So I'm living in the land of innovation and, <laughs> and, and how that uh, relates to teaching and learning. And like I said, the big buckets earlier, digital fabrication, problem and pro- project-based learning, educational technology, uh, digital equity. And so any of those, I also always love to go back to literacy. So if there's liter- literacy in there, I'm always <laughs> reading books. 
So um, I also host a monthly uh, NUGA slow read for educators in my district as a way to engage in reading as an act of self-care. So once a month we get together, we read, we talk about it and we don't talk about work. We just talk about books and it's very enjoyable. But you can uh, connect with me on Twitter at Holloway Reader. There you go. Awesome. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on. You have got to take this show on the road. I'm telling you. Will do. All right. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, The big takeaway that I walked away from the conversation with was just the idea that we all wear these masks. Sometimes I think we feel alone when we put up our armor and guard ourselves and try to protect ourselves. But I think if you can look around and realize that everyone's doing it, it makes those tough conversations with others a little bit easier to approach. So this is a great skill for you to recognize not only what armor and face mask you're putting on, um, but what mask others around you are putting on and how you can connect with them on a different level. This podcast is dropping on August 11th, 2021. Which means that on August 18th, 2021, at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be having our hashtag BTW podcast chat, chat. And we will be breaking down this episode, asking questions, tweeting along to kind of see what we all learn from it. We all have different pieces that we take away and little gems that we walk away with. So it's a great time to share, build community, and build that network of battle buddies that you could potentially have one day. So make sure you join us there. We also have all of our season two merch has dropped. Make sure you're following us at BTW Podcast Chat on Twitter and Instagram and Beginning Teacher Wednesdays on Facebook. Remember to learn, connect, and grow together. I'll talk to you next time.